All right, we have finally arrived at the end of our top 10 series. We've got the relievers on today's episode. Let's hit it and get right into this. Well, when we started this series, I think it was literally 11 weeks ago to the date. It was the middle of December. It wasn't even Christmas break. And we said, by the time we finish this, we'll be arriving at baseball season. And here we are still in James, Nico, and Henry. As always, we've got the last edition of our top 10 positional rankings entering the 2024 season. It's the relievers. There's a big power five at the top and then a lot of different names you could throw out there at six through 10, but guys, this also signifies the final episode before spring training, because by the time we are back on Monday morning, the majority of teams have reported the football season will be over. The Super Bowl will be in the back of your mirror. How are we doing? Good, bro. I'm on the pace, the verge of going 11 for 11. So I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get all these right the same way I've gotten the last 10 lists right. So you know, it's good that, like, my perfection's coming to a close, like, in a nice swan song of relievers. And Nico is a little nervous for us because we'd been doing these every single Friday. Obviously, things got messed up when we had a big leaguer on, a valid excuse for our schedule to get thrown off. Nico didn't really like that, so we <laughs> had did. to schedule something in for a random Monday. So we apologize for the little change in schedule, but here we are wrapping things up perfectly. We're going to start off as we usually do. Henry, give us your 10 to 1. Nico, give us your 10 to 1. James, and then myself. All right. Let's get it crack in here. Um, at 10, I got Orion Kirkering. We'll get into it. At 9, <laughs> we got Ryan Helsley. At 8, Adbert Elzelay. At 7, Camilo Doval. At 6, Clay Holmes. At 5, Emmanuel Classe. At 4, Josh Hader. At 3, Edwin Diaz. At 2, Devin Williams. And at 1, Yoan Duran. Nico. All right. At 10, we got David Bednar. Nine, Camila Duvall. Eight, Ryan Helsley. Seven, we got Matt Brash. Six, Bruce Starr, Raderall. Five, Josh Hader. Four, Emmanuel Classe. Three, Edwin Diaz. Two, Yoan Duran. And I won Devin Williams. James. At number 10, I have Ryan Helsley. Nine, Evan Phillips. Eight, Matt Brash. Seven, David Bednar. Six, Clay Holmes. Five, Edwin Diaz. Four, Johan Duran. Three, Emmanuel Classe. Two, Josh, Evan Williams. And number one, Josh Hader. And then for mine, I've got at 10, Abner Uribe. Nine, Brian Abreu. Eight, Ryan Presley. Seven, David Bednar. Six, Evan Phillips. Hader, Classe, Williams, Duran. And at number one, Edwin Diaz. And of course, here on the final episode of this series, it is the first time that we have four different players in the number one spot. So... Let's each take 30 seconds each to sort of explain. I think we do all have the general consensus that the top five guys are in some particular order. Williams, Duran, Diaz, Classe, and Hayter. It's just about how you want to order them. So let's each get a little pitch as to why our guy deserves to be number one. Henry lead us off with Duran. Yeah, I mean, I understand that technically he doesn't have a zero ERA and get, technically does give up hits throughout the season. But I just genuinely don't understand how it happens. When you when you look at this guy's pitch mix, and not only that, but how intimidating he looks on the mound, I don't understand how anybody could possibly get a hit off of him. 
he is sort of the prime example for, oh yeah, you think hitting a baseball is easy? Watch this. I mean, a hundred mile an hour splitters. Like, are we, are you kidding me? I think that this is going to be his year to really just not only strut his stuff, um, but, but just like really come into, come into his own when it comes to being the most unhittable guy the league has seen. And if you haven't checked it out yet, our recent interview with Josh Ruffin in the analytics department for the Minnesota Twins, he talked a lot about Duran. So a small little plug for that. But Nico, you've got Devin Williams. Yeah, I mean, a lot to say about Devin Williams. He's had the best pitch in baseball for the last three years. His changeup, I think, calls it the airbender, is just moves like a wiffle ball. It's absurd. And really, that's just a recipe for success. He just throws that a thousand times a year and it just works the fact that he's only doing it for an inning obviously i think one thing that's going to hurt him this year is just the fact that he's going to be on a sorry brewers team so his saves numbers aren't going to be that gaudy as it would for maybe someone like duran if his team's more successful but again when you're looking at relievers they're only throwing one inning and i think devin williams is the perfect example is if you have a dominant pitch like again, like Mariano's cutter. Mariano's just able to throw his cutter and just be successful his whole career. When you have a dominant pitch like that, you're you can just throw as much as you want and you're gonna find success. And for the last three years, he's been at the top of the reliever list. James, tell us all about Josh Hader, who's one of those guys that's been in this position now for the last five plus years. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not a record-breaking deal when you're not the best reliever in baseball. Uh, I don't think I need to say much more than that. Uh, he signed a huge contract with the Astros. Um, by far the best left-handed pitcher, uh, I think, in all of baseball. Uh, and I think that just makes him the best relief pitcher in baseball. I mean, he's been dominant. Uh, sure, you can say he's a one-inning guy. Who needs to pitch more than one inning, though, uh, if they're not going to score on you in the ninth? So, uh, yeah, that's why I have Josh Hader at number one. I like it, and thank you for making the argument for me in that when you said it's nice to have a record-breaking contract as a reliever, thank you for pointing out that Edwin Diaz has the largest contract for a reliever in Major League Baseball history. So, on that front, did Edwin Diaz miss the entirety of 2023? Yes. But I yes. think in a yes, way... he did. Yeah, thank you, Henry. We don't need to relive that. But... Um, what that run comes... True. That's true. Didn't get a loss. <laughs> but I think going into last year, and I did look back at our list before then, James and Nico, you were on the pod around this time by then. We all had Edwin Diaz as number one. And on that episode, we all said it wasn't particularly close either in that he was coming off a year with a 1.25 ERA. He didn't blow a save past May 15th. Remind you, that's like four months left in the season. So yes, I do understand that there might be some skepticism as to whether maybe he's going to take a step back in 2024. Maybe he can't be as superhuman as he was. I hope, knock on wood, there's no chance 2019 Edwin Diaz returns who couldn't get an out to save his life. And if he does, the Mets are screwed. But... I think judging that we were all so confident that Diaz was the one and it wasn't particularly close entering last year, he didn't do enough to lose the spot in 2024. And I think it's definitely going to be a debate that we're having. But the first time those trumpets play to begin the year is going to be electric. And whether we're at City Field covering it or not, it's going to be electric. It's going to be all over social media. He's going to be back. He, in 2023, or 2022, this is the statistics I love, he struck out 51% of the batters he faced. Not the number of outs he recorded, over 50% strikeouts of the batters faced. That's elite. That's electric. He throws 101 with ease, a killer slider, dabbles with a changeup. It's just exactly what you want out of a closer. 
not really competition. I love Edwin Diaz. It makes a ton of sense. But let's also give some flowers to that fifth guy in Emmanuel Classe. Pretty dominant reliever. Do we think he actually stays in Cleveland? I think one of the big things that what made me averse to putting him in the top three is just you don't know what situation he's going to be in. Again, there is the chance that the Guardians can bounce back, that he'll be a key part. But if the Guardians decide to sell, I think that he, if they can't get stuff for Bieber, he's kind of the first one out the door. So I think that if he goes to a really good like spot where he's able to still be the closer, I think he's definitely going to be in that range of top five easily because of that one-on-one cutter that he has. But I think that there is a chance that a team tries to trade from who has a solidified closer and he ends up being a settlement. I don't think that's out of this world. We've seen it a ton of times with guys. So I think a big thing for him is if he stays in the spot where he's going to be a closer, because there's some good teams that may try and trade for him. Same thing with Devin Williams, but I think Devin Williams, no matter where he goes, he could be the closer. I'll say that's in the question. I think the situation is going to be big for him if he gets traded. James, I want to group your number six and seven as the former Pirates closer and the current Pirates closer. Clay Holmes, David Bednar, thoughts? Yeah, but I think they're both really good relievers. Uh, they go through some cold stretches throughout the season, but I think when they're at their peak, uh, they're certainly top 10 pitchers in the MLB. Uh, Holmes wasn't as good this past season as he was uh, the year prior. Uh, but I think he definitely still deserves top 10 recognition. Um, his sinker is his outlier pitch, and it's certainly one of the best in baseball. Um, Bednar, you know, looks pretty stock, but that fastball just has some ride to it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think both guys are top 10 deserving. Um, I have them a little bit on the lower end of my list uh, just because I think there's a lot of elite, elite relievers, um, not to take away from them. They just aren't uh, the cream of the crop. Uh, at the position like they may have been a year or two ago. Henry, one of the names that you have that is unique to you, Adbert Alzali of the Cubs. Any worry on maybe he's not the closer now that they just paid a boatload for Hector Neris, or do you not really care where he pitches he's going to deal anyways? Honestly, I don't really care because I think that his stuff is so nasty. I was saying before the podcast, yes, it was peak Yankees can't hit baseball, but when he came into the Bronx, I was at a Cubs-Yankees game, and he genuinely looked like Mariano Rivera. He sort of he sort of burst onto the scene last year. He had a lot of opportunities on the Cubs just because they didn't really have much else, especially in the back end of that bullpen. And I think that he's only going to be able to carry what he was able to do in twenty twenty two in twenty twenty three. And yes, they did get Hector Neris, but I don't think that that's going to diminish his opportunities at all. I think he's going to still have plenty of shots in those late high leverage innings to prove why he's a top ten player in baseball. Nico, unique to your list at number six, Bruce Dargrattle. Same thing, basically, that we just asked Henry because another guy that is featured on our list is Evan Phillips. What's up with the Dodgers' bullpen situation? I think that Bruce Dar has the best stuff out of any guy in the bullpen, and I think that hopefully if we see a little bit of regression from Evan Phillips, that Bruce Dar could get into that role. I think Bruce Dar's pitch mix and how his repertoire is built, I think it's perfect to be a closer. He goes, he throws hard, has the cutter and has the slider with, out on top of the sinker that all play well off of each other. The thing he does, which especially is helpful for the Dodgers, he keeps the ball in the yard. His ground ball rates in the 98th percentile, which again, obviously for the freaking dumb stats because of the stat cast and stuff, it's going to inflate a little bit his expected batting average. But at the end of the day, what it is, it's just all soft ground balls. All his stuff's in the red. No one hits the ball hard off of him. He doesn't have a great K rate, but that's mainly because he's just breaking bats every at-bat with a 99-mile-an-hour sinker inside that moves across the whole plate. 
I think that if I had to choose be- besides like the top guys, obviously I would love to have Devin Williams change up and have like Yonder and Splitter. But I think after that, if I had to choose a repertoire of most of the guys in the league, like Bruce Starr ranks pretty high up there. And again, he showed it this year. He was able to put it together with like a one, two ERA. So I think with his repertoire, his just natural velo, the fact that he doesn't walk people and doesn't get himself in trouble. I think that he can definitely have an even better year this year. I think I'm going to go with the, not the counter. Cause I love Bruce Argrado too, but Evan Phillips solid reliever, because when you look at it, same thing that you just made reference to on baseball savant, a lot of red when it comes to Evan Phillips. And the key is he was elite in 2022. He had that one, one, four ERA 0.76 whip. And everyone said, shoot, this is going to be unrecordable. And obviously his ERA did go up in 2023 to 2.05, but the whip was around the same. And again, we're going to go by these red circles of God here on baseball savant. They were pretty identical in 22 and 23. So something tells me that even if the ERA fluctuates a little bit, Evan Phillips is still going to be dominant. He's going to be the Dodgers closer, barring a trade for Manuel Clase, which I know we're thinking could indeed be possible. Phillips also strives in that his game is not centered around the strikeout. I know a lot of guys, like we mentioned with Diaz, Hayter, Devin Williams, it's a strikeout. So Phillips is a little different in that he's going to be a pitch-to-contact type pitcher, which isn't usually a recipe for success for relievers. But I think that's what makes him a little different, and that's why I like him in this spot. James, we're going to circle back to you where you have Ryan Helsley on your list. Yeah, you know, the Cardinals had a rough year last year. Um, you know, a couple of Cardinals relievers fell off the table. Um, guys like Alex Reyes, Genesis Cabrera uh, kind of never panned out to be the guys that, that everyone expected them to be. But Ryan Helsley uh, just continued to be consistent. Um, he has four-plus pitches, fastball, curveball, slider, changeup. Uh, his fastball topping out at 101, 102. Um, they let Jordan Hicks walk this offseason, um, allowing for, you know, healthy to really become the true back-end guy. Uh, and I think he'll thrive in that role. I think the Cardinals are poised to have more success in 2024. Um, and, yeah, I just expect him to, to continue to do what he's been doing. Uh, I think with the Cardinals having more team success, he'll become a, a bigger name and certainly uh, a worthy top-10 guy by the end of the season. Henry, how about a guy named Camilo Doval, the current closer of the Giants? Yeah, I mean, Camilo Doval has been disgusting over the past two years. I mean, obviously, is reliever war something that anybody really looks at? No. But against the rest of the league, a 3-4 reliever war is absolutely incredible. He, he, had a, he had 66 saves over the past two years. He's going to get oppor- – I know the Giants are kind of mid. I understand that. He's going to get a ton of save opportunities considering that he is sort of their only guy. I think that, honestly, the amount of opportunities that some of these guys get is super important to how they're going to pan out because we've seen his stuff is gross. It's just about how many times he's able to get out there, especially in high-leverage spots, and I think that he's going to get plenty of opportunities in high-leverage spots, and we know his stuff plays at this point. So it's literally just, will he get the opportunity to really pan out this season? And I think he will. I'm going to give a shout out to one of the bullpens that I think could possibly be the best bullpen in Major League Baseball. We've already established now that they've acquired Josh Hader. They have one of the best closers in baseball. They have two guys that could be closers on the majority of teams. That's Ryan Presley, who we've known, has done it for years to come. And he's actually been... I think he's either first or second all-time in career saves in the playoffs, saying maybe he's only trailing Mariano Rivera, but 
Seems like he might not actually get that opportunity to break it, given that Hayter is going to be the closer in Houston for the next five seasons. But Ryan Presley is one of those relievers where this position, as we've seen, very volatile. There are a lot of pitchers that go up and then crash. And the guys that make our list, and especially in that upper echelon, are the guys that every year we know they're coming in, they're going to do their thing, and they're going to be a solid reliever. Aaron Loop is the perfect example of after 2021, he was arguably putting up a top 10 relief pitcher season, having a point six ERA and 60 to 70 innings as a left-handed reliever and was awesome. And then got DFA'd by June of the following season. I think Ryan Presley at his floor is a three ERA really solid pitcher. And at his ceiling is one of those upper echelon closers with one of the most biggest postseason experiences out there. The other guy, Brian Abreu, I didn't realize this until after digging into the numbers, which we occasionally like to do on the podcast. He put up a sub two ERA in over 70 innings. That's uh-huh. almost like an abbreviated starter season. And the weird thing is that they have Hater, they have Presley. So no one's talking about Brian Abreu. But if that was, again, we're going to use the same argument I did when we did, I believe it was shortstops with Carlos Correa. If Josh Hader put up a one seven ERA in 70 innings, we'd be putting him in the Cy Young candidates like we did with Eric Gagne in 2000, what was that, two, three, somewhere around there. So the fact that he was just random middle reliever Brian Abreu, objectively looking at it, that's a top 10 reliever season in 2023, and there's no reason to think he can't do that again in 24. But we have a couple other guys. We still need to get He has some pitch any high leverage situations. He's going to pitch the seventh inning for the Astros. No one cares. Hey, I just look at the stats. I don't care if they're high leverage or not. At the end of the year, if he's got a 1-5 in 70 innings, we have to say I got it right. Just saying. Matt Brash, Nico. This is my big prediction pick. I really have high hopes for Matt Brash this year. I think his repertoire is elite. I think he has a starter repertoire in a, clo- in a reliever closer body. The guy just throws filthy sliders all the time. And his fastball is surprisingly not great, which I think is something that's going to be more of an outlier than it is. I mean, he he's very good at fastball velocity. He gets the ball up to like 99, 100. And I think combined with just the breaking balls and his natural ability to spin it, he can spin it like Sonny Gray and he throws 99. I think since he has that natural ability to have great breaking balls, on top of the fact that I think his fastball is going to perform better this year, he's going to be able, if they're wise enough to move him to the closer role, which I he had some saves I don't know how how much they're thinking of putting him in the closer because they have Andres Munoz. But if he's able to get to that closer role, I think that with he's going to be in very high leverage situations because they're probably not going to hit. They're going to pitch a lot and there's going to be a lot of one run, two run games. I think if he can make it all work, which I think he can because he has the stuff for it, I think he can have a nice breakout year. And we're sitting here thinking he may even be a top five guy. Henry, I think the guy that you have at number 10, there's a chance that a lot of our listeners don't know who he is. So if you'd like to explain to our audience who is Orion Kirkering and why is oh. he on your list? I mean, if you if you weren't like if you don't know who Orion Kirkering is, then you weren't watching the playoffs this year. Cause that's the only reason I put him on. This is a complete vibes, recency bias, playoff bias pick. I like I was watching I was watching the games. I was like, oh that guy's gross. He's fire. And <laughs> And he's got he's got the tattoos, he's got the vibe. I keep saying it. Number 10 is my hedge my bets vibes pick. And I think, yeah, there are a couple, there are a couple of Phillies relievers 
who have more experience in high leverage situations, whether it be Sir Anthony Dominguez or Yes, that's true. But frankly, Orion Kirkering has a disgusting slider. He throws high 90s. Why wouldn't it work? Especially because, let's be honest, Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez, they were good. They weren't great last year. So the Phillies are still looking for some back end of the bullpen help. Why not Orion Kirkering? I'm going to hedge my bets and I'm going to throw a guy out there who maybe not everyone knows, but when you watch him, you're like, oh, hell yeah, that guy's awesome. <laughs> Can I copy and paste your argument for my number 10 in Abner Uribe? I think it's the exact same thing of broke out at the end of the year, 30 innings, 1.76 ERA. His fastball velocity is in the 99th percentile that he is averaging 100 miles an hour on his fastball, which is just insane to think about. But the caveat here is after the Corbin Burns trade, I think Devin Williams gets traded and Uribe becomes the closer in Milwaukee. Whether it's by opening day, I don't know. But I think by the trade deadline, the Brewers are going to be in a funky spot and that they got Reese Hoskins, they got Carlos Santana. Maybe another acquisition today that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. I don't remember who it was. It was someone. That's bad on me. But the Brewers are going to be a spunky team. I don't know what's going to happen with them, but I think I, there's an increased likelihood that Williams gets traded, Uribe becomes the closer. And if not, Uribe just goes out there, dominates as a setup man, and establishes himself as the next Brian Abreu. But that concludes our top 10 lists. But of course, we've got a lot of fun still to come. But before we get into that, we'd like to tell you about a great offer that we have to tell you guys about. And that is that great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod in all capitals, for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporty events to concerts, including Major League Baseball and Taylor Swift. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of the edition of Side Retired. All right, so let's get into the rest of today's episode where we're going to be breaking down, unfortunately, is the final time that we're going to be going through yay or nay. So let's start it off with the behind the scenes guys that again thank you to harry to david and to potter for every single week submitting their list to us so that we can heavily scrutinize and criticize everything that they have to say and have to offer harry's first up on the chopping block and he is the only person from the team so far to break away from the stereotypical top five relievers and he had hater at number six because he fit alexis diaz into his top five boys what are we thinking i mean he's top five he's not his brother so no and alexis diaz is gross though i always use him for reds sub two era or reds born outside the united states on the macular grid so shout out to alexis diaz anything else I think he just had no. a worse of a year than people thought he did. I think people are still I'm gonna be honest, I thought going into that he had like a like a one ERA, like a one something. He had that last year. This year had a three ERA. I don't think anyone with again, unless you're making like straight projection, I don't think you can have a guy with a three ERA on this list. That's and I don't think that people are projecting stuff for Alexis Diaz. I think it's what he thinks he is. How about Harry also had on his list Andres Munoz as the closer of the Seattle Mariners. I know, Nico, you had a Matt Brash argument, but thoughts on Munoz. So no. No, thank you. All righty, <laughs> let's move on to Matt Potter's list, which was great if it were 2014. 
His list includes Craig Kimbrell. His list also includes Kenley Jansen. His Otter. list also includes Rizel Iglesias. Where, when when do we take away his rights to make lists? Well, this is the last list, so we're done. He's the, well, I know, but I just mean next year. Like at some point, Skip Bayless shouldn't be allowed on a TV show. Chris Russo shouldn't be allowed on a TV show. When does Matt Potter join that esteemed Hall of Fame class of guys who we shouldn't give an opinion? <laughs> Good job, Potter. Great list. I have to say, Kimbrel, obviously not. Iglesias, eh. Jansen's not for real. Jansen, Jansen at like 10. He I'm, has him at 9. By low, I'm, yeah. By, I don't Jansen. hate that. By low. I've experienced Jansen. This is sure. Jansen. Jansen will have a month where he's good, and then he'll have a two-week stretch where every single ball looks like a beach ball, and he'll get absolutely tagged. And, like, if one thing doesn't go his way, like, he falls apart. Like, he had a stretch where I think, like, he had, like, two fluky hits and then just fell apart, gave up a three-run lead against the Cardinals. Next day, brought him back in, another three-run lead, got shelled by the Cardinals again. So, I mean, if you like that inconsistency of a closer, then, like, that's definitely your guy. All right, let's get into the fan-submitted list before we conclude things off with David's final list. In yay or nay fashion, someone had Yenier Cano in their top 10. Let's see it. I think he's going to be very good or very bad this year. It's not going to be in the middle. I had him on originally, but uh, but uh, sure. So I'll say yeah. I'll say yeah. How about we've got one approval for Giovanni Gallegos of the Cardinals? Hell yeah. No. <laughs> no. I think, no, I don't think he's good enough, and I don't think he's going to be in enough higher leverage situations to be able to, like, show that he could be that if he was. It's time for Paul Seawald to be discussed. Someone had Paul Seawald on their top ten. No. <laughs> no. Just no. Nice. Simple. Someone had, and I like these two guys, I just didn't know if they could fit. Tyler Magic and A.J. Minter of the Braves. I think that they're not versatile enough. I think that they're more just like left, very good lefty specialists, which I think does have value. But I think when you look at the guys that we have, um, I don't think there's enough room to have guys that are really just made to play pitch against one side. We had a breakout candidate, Henry Garrett Crochet of the White Sox. I don't hate it. As a breakout, I love it. I mean, yeah, that that's I I put Orion Kirkering at ten. <laughs> Who am I to say that somebody can't put Garrett Crochet at, like on their list? Yeah, we had future. Wow, this one quote: "Future Pirates closer, Araldis Chapman at someone's seven spot." I just think we're kind of seeing we're, back we're past that. He's very <laughs> similar to like I think what you get out of like Kenley Jansen, where you're I, again, he's just. He'll have stretches where you see prime Chapman, what he was on the Reds, and then you'll have other stretches where you're like, well, what is this guy doing pitching the ninth inning? We had someone say Brooks Raley deserves to be in the top 10 as a loogie. No. First off, no. Brooks Raley isn't a loogie. As a Mets fan, I'm going to correct you on that one. But What's a loogie? Left-handed only guy. Oh. He is. Kind He's not. He gets righties out. He gets righties out, but... He's a loogie. He's our primary mean? setup man this year. He's he, pitching the eighth inning no matter who's coming up ah! to that. <laughs> that says more about the, that says more about the Mets than it does him. You better hope there's a lot of lefties when he's coming in the eighth then. <laughs> Screw it. Shout out Adam Avino. No, no one had Adam Avino on their list, but 
Anyways, a couple more guys. We had breakout candidates. I actually like this one. Ben Joyce. Love it. Love it. Love, love it. it. Love it. How about breakout candidate Kevin Ginkle? Also love it. I, I like gross. it. I like it. Gross. I, I think. Like what, it. I think what we're realizing is with relievers, we can like we see that. You can make a case potential. for almost anyone. Yeah, as long as you preface it, like, if you tell me it's a breakout guy, like, I can understand. Like, that's the main problem I have with, like, Carries Alexis Diaz, is I think that he was putting him top five based on what he's done. And I don't think he's done enough. But, again, we're really just talking about guys with filthy stuff throwing for an inning. So if I think they have good enough stuff, I'm going to like to pick. Well, if we can make a case for every reliever, let's talk about some of the people that David Halpert, to round things out, Included on his final list for 2024. We'll start off with be terrible. Some, we'll start off with three notable names that did not make the list. The first name to not make it, Edwin Ooh, Diaz. Yes. <laughs> Do I think Edwin Diaz will not bounce back. The second name to not make his list, Emmanuel Classe, because I think he regresses and he could get traded. And the third I name. Think. <laughs> The third name to not make his list, Josh Hader, because he will not oh. do well in his new environment. Okay. So the Edwin Diaz one, I can actually – the Edwin Diaz no, one is no. the – No, no, no. The one no, that's no. most likely to happen is Edwin Diaz. No, 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 no. I'm not – and I'm not – that's not even me being a Mets hater, right? Like considering the fact that Edwin Diaz has, has made a pattern of like off-season, on-season, I don't think it's going to happen because the last season he had was so incredible. That's the most defensible argument. That's the one where you can where you can use stats and you can be like, look at when he has had a good season and when he has come back and he hasn't had as good of a season. Fine. Fine. You get a pass on that one. It's defensible. The other two are not. <laughs> All right, which means it's time to get into his number 10. And so basically we're saying that this pitcher is better than Edwin Diaz, Josh Hader, and Emmanuel Classe. And oh, that yeah. is three-time World Series champion Will Smith. Hell yeah. <laughs> Bang. Uh, because you know, well, you know he's a winner. Signed, Those you, other guys are not winners. He's you a winner. You know who signed Will Smith this offseason? Yo, Casey Royals. The Kansas City Royals. That's right. At number nine, it's Jason Adam of the Tampa Bay Rays. At number eight. It's New York Yankees reliever Ian Hamilton. Hell yeah. <laughs> at He's number... got a jawline for days. <laughs> at number seven, it's Jordan Romano of the Toronto Blue Jays. I love I that the, the first four Jordan guys Romano. none of us even considered. I hate Jordan <laughs> Romano with a burning passion. At number six, it's Andres Munoz of the Seattle Mariners. Bang. At number five, it's Camilo Doval. At number four, making it up this high because, again, the upper echelon of relievers did not make his list. It's David Bednar. At nice. number three on his list, a name that I didn't even, like, this didn't cross my mind, that this guy could be a top reliever. I'm not even sure we included him in the pool. Jose Leclerc of the Texas Rangers is at we number did. three. Okay, at number three is ridiculous. If you had thrown him at number 10, that's another guy who was like, <laughs> okay, I, I can see it. Except they just signed David Robertson to be their closer. No, the closer's no, no, no. Oh yeah, Nico, where's Kumar Rocker on your list? I can't believe you forgot about that. 
I said he was going to be the closer. <laughs> I didn't say he was going to be a good one. <laughs> well, and then he does clean it up at the end. Jean Duran is number two, and Devin Williams is number one. But hey, strong one too. <laughs> strong, strong one too. You know what? This was a said. top two list for Mr. David Halbert. That's okay. <laughs> well, I guess this is it. We've led up to spring training. We've covered all. <laughs> 11 positions catcher through DH and then starters and relievers were going to not be toxic and release the top 10 players in MLB as that could go horrifically wrong. But the routine is over because now we're going to have to figure out how to fill up our Friday episodes. Maybe we do some weekend previews. Maybe we do this week in review. We're still thinking about it. We have seven days to pull it together, but this has definitely been a fun activity to do over the last three months and cover up some time. And of course, these are all available on the Side Retired Instagram at Side Retired Pod. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe on all those different platforms that you can. And of course, in May, when these predictions are already horrifically wrong, make sure to let us know and tell all Thank our you. guys they're they're all published, all of them on the Instagram. So yeah. Anyone I mean else? yeah, I have one thing. Uh oh. No, no, no. Okay. Um, it's obviously it's super fun for the first game to watch your team's spring training game. And then you remember that it's spring training, right? And you might get a little bored with it, right? Because watching a spring training game on TV is not the most entertaining thing in the world. These first few weeks of college baseball are incredible. Yes. There, there are tournaments all over the country with teams from different with powerhouse teams from different power five conferences just playing each other just for shits and giggles. Do we have a yes. do we have an open spot next week? We probably do. Then Henry, Henry then let's do a, let's do it like a month, like best series. <laughs> yeah. Out, yeah. You know, if, if if you're craving some baseball college baseball will give it to you in a way that spring training can't i'm just that's just my sole plug i like it well of course there's a lot of college baseball i will conclude that with spring training we are very close to baseball season and that means the return finally of this amazing song we're very close guys we're gonna be good baseball returns it's gonna be electric i am allowed that many seconds so we don't get sued because we're under 10 seconds playing the song Look at that. we're skirting the rules there but for dylan james nico henry until next week the side is retired